Friends in Recovery, the Addiction Recovery Podcast is brought to you by Genesis House and the Friends in Recovery community, a thriving network of individuals who are fighting back against the stigma of addiction and recovery. Join your hosts, the Podfather, Jersey Ed, as they break the silence and speak up about the real issues of addiction, treatment, and recovery. Friends in Recovery, the Addiction Recovery Podcast is available on Facebook, Podbean, iTunes, and YouTube, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Now, here are your friends in recovery. Hey, everybody. Welcome to friendsinrecoverypodcast.com. I am the podfather, Mike Miles, and I'm here and, with <laughs> Oh, and I am Skylar, and it's New Time with Sky. <laughs> yep, New Time with Sky. And it's really, uh, so we're trying to figure out if it's Skylar or Skylar. <laughs> <laughs> More will be uh, revealed, right? <laughs> right. And is it cold where you're at, Sky? It's freezing. It's about yeah, 20 it's really degrees. Cold, huh? So um, <laughs> I, I can't wait for the winter to, to get over with. This is crazy. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Yeah. So, so we, we have a great guest today. We do. And yeah. she's, she's in a state, I think probably it's a little bit warmer than it is here, right? Yeah, she's in in, in Blairsville, Georgia. So def, yes. definitely a little bit warmer there, I'm sure. <laughs> she's definitely closer to the equator than we are. So a lot closer. Yeah. Take it um, away, Sky. <laughs> well, so just so you guys know, if you guys want to get a hold of us, I'll get that done out the way real sure. quick. Yep. Um, so you can give us a call, and that is uh 617-379-1163. And it's help at friends in recovery podcast.com. So that's you can email us there as well. Um, and that phone number is 617-379-1163. Right. And so well, don't forget SoberPod. <laughs> oh, yeah. We can't. We forgot him last week, and, and we're not no. going to hear the end of it. No, we're no. Definitely not. <laughs> yep. So we want to give a shout out to SoberPod, Kyle and the gang, because Ed would be, uh, be very disappointed. And uh, I think Kyle's actually going to be relo- relocating. I think he's thinking of changing his name and uh, trying to get away from Ed. You know, he's shocking. <laughs> Witness protection. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so we have a guest today, Amanda, and she is, um, been in long-term recovery, multiple years of recovery. Um, and then, um, from substance abuse, but also from a couple other things. And she has an awesome, interesting story to tell us, um, that we're both excited to hear about. Um, so with that, help me welcome Amanda. Hey, Amanda. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Definitely. Definitely. We're so glad you're here. So tell us a little bit about yourself. So I'm 40 years old. I've been in recovery five years nice. <clears throat> after a 22-year active addiction to anything and everything that made me happy. Mm-hmm. Um, I was raised by, I have three children. One's 20, I have a 21-year-old son, a 13-year-old son, and a six-year-old princess. <laughs> um, I'm a, <laughs> and she knows she's a princess. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> I am a home health care caregiver, and I take care of nine different elderly people. And wow. When I first started, it was a paycheck because treatment said I had to have a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, I realized that it was the calling that God put on my life. So mm-hmm. I've been with the company for four years. And, um, you know, some days are harder than others, but I wouldn't uh-huh. trade it for the world. So um, I, I was in active addiction for 22 years. Uh, it's funny that I'm on here today because the coordinator of the accountability court that I was in <clears throat> actually messaged me last week and she said that they every year they get together for an accountability conference mm-hmm. and this year they want 
to be the guest speaker. And so I had to write my bio out and send it to her. And so I was like, well, this is a great refresher course before the podcast. So, <laughs> Perfect. Um, <laughs> um, and, you know, I was stressing it. I didn't know how I was going to get it done. I worked 63 hours a week. So everything's wow. on our phone. So that was done on my phone, too. And I just sent it to her via email. But um, so my addiction started when I was 18 years old. My mom was a narcissist in all of my life. Nothing I ever did was good enough. And I would bring home a 93 on a report card. And she wanted to know why it wasn't 100. Or I would bring home straight A's and a B. And she'd want to know why it wasn't straight A's. So I was constantly being compared to others. And so that was the mindset that I was raised in. So as an adult, that was the mindset I was in. And I just wanted to feel loved and wanted. So as soon as I turned 18, I married a man because my parents couldn't tell me no. And he said he loved me. Mm. And we were uh, married to get it. It was a terrible ordeal, (laughs) but we were married for two months. And um, I remember when we separated, we went down to Florida. I lost everything I owned because he didn't pay for the motel. And, um, I come back home and I needed a place to stay. My mom wouldn't let me come home. She said, you made your bed. You have to lay in it. And so I went to the women's abuse shelter in the town where I live and they had a bed available. And the other lady that was staying there, I had never tried drugs, regardless of how many times I was accused of it because I dealt with depression as a child I would get up, go to school because at school I felt loved. I felt wanted. So I, of course I was a straight A student. That was where I thrived, you know? And so when I would come home, it was just this heavy load on my shoulders. And so I would lay in bed when I finished my schoolwork and my mom and dad, my stepdad would accuse me of, you know, being on pot and stuff. And I'd never, never even seen pot. I still smoked it. But this particular night, um, the other lady that was at the shelter, she was like, you want to smoke a joint? And I was like, what is that? And (laughs) and I kind of knew what it was, but I'd never seen it before. And she was like, oh, it's, you know, of course, all the addict words were out there. (laughs) Um, I remember smoking it and I was like, what's the hip about this? You know, it did nothing to me, but it, the only thing it did was get my curiosity running, you know, like then I wanted to know. So I smoked it again the next night and it was on from there. Like I laughed, I cut up, I had not a care in the world, you know? And so I was 18 then. And then fast forward to a couple of months later, I found that I was pregnant with my oldest son. Um, I was separated from his father. I was with another guy and it was just my whole, the last 20 years have been toxic relationship after toxic relationship. But Anyway, um, when I was 19 years old, I was overweight my entire life. Um, I think I topped the scales when I started my weight loss journey in 2017. I topped the scales at 410 pounds. What? And wow. yeah. And um, so r- treatment saved my life and mm-hmm. more than than just substance sure. abuse. It saved my life. Um, yeah. So um, but I remember I, I just. I couldn't lose weight. I didn't have the, nobody had ever taught me. You know, the one thing about treatment is you have somebody saying, if you do this, you'll stay sober. If you go to counseling, if you uh, go to classes, if, if you, if you fix your reason why, because if you use drugs on a regular basis, I don't care if it's just marijuana. If you use it on a regular basis, there's a reason why. Mm -hmm. And if you don't fix that reason why you're going to relapse. You know, I got busted back in 2002 for possession of methamphetamines and I stayed clean and sober for four years, but I didn't go to treatment. I got put on probation 
and I got clean and sober to get my son back. My oldest son, I lost to the state twice throughout his lifetime. And they didn't have treatment back then. You either went to jail or you got put on probation. So I got probation and they said I had to stay clean. So I stayed clean, but I didn't fix my reason why mm. via the tra- trauma from my childhood, you know? And so I didn't work through that. I, I didn't know how. And so when my daughter was born <clears throat> in the time frame be- in between my, I had a middle son too. And, you know, for all that time, I wasn't doing street drugs, but I was going to the doctor, getting Adderall, pain pills, diet pills, you know, and my addict mind justified that it. it was prescribed by a doctor. So I was still clean and sober. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until 2014, um, my daughter was born and I had convinced the doctor when I got pregnant and I started showing that I was pregnant, that I had sciatica. And so the doctor prescribed me 10 Percocet, uh, six Percocet 10s a day. And I took them like a beast. <laughs> I mean, I didn't miss a dose, you know. And when my daughter was born, she almost died. And she was born with premature lung. She was, she took her first breath and they gave her her APGAR scale and it score and it was a nine. And then five minutes later, they scored her again and it was a one and a half. Wow. And she wasn't breathing on her own. They lifelined her to Erlanger in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And she was in the NICU for 22 days. And it wasn't until I entered treatment that I realized my addiction almost killed my daughter. Um, but I'm very grateful to say that she is a very healthy six-year-old little girl now and she doesn't have any health problems. So um, so when I was pregnant with her, I was taking the Percocets and then I had a C-section. So six more weeks after that, I was taking Percocets and then the prescription for Percocets stopped. So I was mm-hmm. not only was I dealing with opiate withdrawal, I was also dealing with the worst case of postpartum depression that I have ever heard of. I had to call someone three different times to come get my daughter because I I, I just couldn't connect with her. I, I couldn't. She would cry. She had colic. And and I, I remember picking her up one day and I visioned myself throwing her up against the wall just so she would stop crying. Sure, sure. And yeah, but I didn't. I didn't. Course, thank yeah. God I didn't. Um, I called somebody and they come and got her. And I remember my mom pulled in my driveway that day and I poured my heart out to her. And I told her, I said, mom, I don't know what to do. Like I, I'm scared. I'm so depressed. I, I don't know what to do. And she just looked at me like, I can't believe you, you know? And mm-hmm. I told her, I said, I had to call somebody to come get Raylan because I, I don't know what to do. I'm scared. And she goes, you're giving your daughter away. And I said, no, you know, it, it was just like, then I had, guilt and shame from my mom because I felt like I was doing something wrong. So three days after that particular day, my children's father, his brother came over to my house and he had methamphetamines in his pocket Mm. and it was on, you know, I just wanted to feel better and I knew meth would make me feel better. So it it was a long, hard year. Um, You know, in the, in the, in the moment I felt better, you know, I was up, I was taking care of my kids. I, I was happy and, then, you know, defects knocked on my door, door several times. And y'all, I remember I would get my six-year-old son to pee in a cup so I could take it to the lab and pass that drug screen. Because I knew if I failed the drug screen, I'd lose my kids. And I remember telling myself, Amanda, you're going to lose your kids. You know? but, but it was like in the back of my mind, subconsciously, I knew that's what it was going to take. Mm. You know, I, I think I knew that if I lost my kids, you know, by this time, drug court and family treatment court treatment had become readily available for addicts. Mm -hmm. You know, you didn't just automatically go to jail and you weren't looked at like a junkie, like 
addiction was a disease now. It, it wasn't just a bad choice. Right. And mm-hmm. so December the 1st, 2015, there was a knock on my door and it was Union County defects. And I had just, I was coming down off a five day binge. I didn't have a stitch of food in my home, not a single out, no furniture. My kids were sleeping on an air mattress. Um, and defects knocked on my door and I tried to manipulate my way through it just like I had done so many times before, but she saw through the lies. And instead of sending me for a drug screen, she brought the drug screen to me, which told me I I need to tell her I'm going to fail it. And so, but it was like, I had so much peace about it because I had been praying, God, I wanted to be clean and sober. I wanted to be healthy, but I didn't know how, you know? And I'm like in the, I remember telling a friend of mine, I need treatment, but I don't want treatment. Because mm-hmm. treatment was very demanding and I'm a single mom and I don't have any family support where I'm at. And I didn't know who I was going to get to watch my kids or, or I didn't know how I was going to do it. I knew I needed it, but I didn't know how I was going to do it. So defects took my kids, of course. And, um, they sent me for, I was clean 53 days and nothing was happening with my case and I couldn't get any support and they weren't sending me for counseling. Nothing was happening. And a trap house opened two doors down from my house. So what do you think happened? <laughs> so 53 days clean and I relapsed. And y'all, when I went for my drug assessment for Union County defects, I was housekite. I had track marks on my arms and I remember putting makeup on my arms to hide them. And I manipulated my way right through that assessment. He was like, well, I don't even know why they sent you to me. You're good. So then two days after my assessment, they sent me, I know the next day after my assessment, they defect sent me for a drug screen. And of course I failed it. So, and his recommendation was if she fails another drug screen, then we, she needs to go to treatment. So it kind of all played out the way it was to play out. Right. February the 25th, I swore into family treatment court. And to tell you that I was scared was an understatement. I was beyond scared. I didn't know, but it, God, allowed everything to happen. Like I didn't know who I was going to get to watch my kids. This girl that I went to high school with walked through the doors of the courthouse and she was like, if you need anything, holler at me. I said, well, right now I need somebody to watch my daughter. You know, when my kids came home and she was like, I got you. And so she started watching everything that happened. It was just so amazing the way it happened. And so, um, you know, once I had my substance abuse addiction under control and I had been clean two years, um, I decided that my next, that I remember going to celebrate recovery one night and there was a skit and in the skit were two men. One guy was God and the other guy was man. And God was taking a hammer and a chisel and he was going around this man chiseling, chiseling away at his character defects. And I remember I lost it right there in the middle of the large group. And I prayed that night, God, that is what I want you to do. Mm. I can't do it all at one time. But as I conquer one, show me another one. And so once I had my substance abuse addiction under control and I've been clean two years, God said, it's time. It's time for you to conquer the love affair that you've had for 35 years. And so I went to see the bariatric drill and I went to the doctor August the 11th, 2017. I weighed 410 pounds. And they said, in order for your insurance to cover your surgery, your bariatric surgery, you're going to have to see your primary care provider every month for six months. So. I was felt so defeated, you know, because the addict in me wanted that quick fix. Right. I just wanted mm-hmm. to be skinny, you know, because 
in my mind, growing up, all I ever heard was, you better lose that weight so you can find a good man. You better lose that weight. better lose that weight. You know, you got a pretty face. That's what my grandmother used to tell me. You yeah. got a pretty face. <laughs> um, so, so anyway, um, so I went, I left the doctor's office and I was like, you know what? Treatment was the only thing I had ever started and completed mm. without sabotaging, you know? So I left the doctor and I was like, you know what? I'm going to give my weight everything I have. And the insurance company is going to see that I cannot do this. So I did. I gave it everything I had. And I didn't have some hellacious weight loss goal. You know, I didn't. My goal wasn't to lose 150 pounds. My only goal was to stay true to myself. And every night when I lay my head down, know that I gave it everything I had that day. Mm-hmm. Even if that meant listening to my body and skipping the gym and not having that piece of cake after dinner, you know, even if that meant throwing away my daughter's three quarter leftover birthday cake, because I knew having it in my home was like walking across, walking past a line of dope every day. Mm. You know, if I buy sweets for my home, my kids have a pantry in their bedroom. I don't keep them in my kitchen because I can't walk past it every day. I mean, I've been cleaning sober from food for four years. I still can't do it. You know, Mm. I'm just not strong enough. So, um, I started my weight loss journey August 11th, 2017. And after the six month regimen with my primary care, I no longer had diabetes. I no longer had high blood pressure and really? I didn't qualify wow. for surgery anymore. Yeah. I'd lost 85 pounds in six months. Man, wow. you have got, you have got so an, to this day. I'm sorry. No, thanks, you have an amazing thanks. story. Um, I, I, no, you're I mean, fine. I, I, I want to hear more. <laughs> Keep going. Well, real quick. We're going to take a real quick break. Oh, yeah, we can take a break. Um, we'll do that real quick, and then we'll come back, and we'll get into that. Because, um, you know, you said something that, you know, so many of us uh, addicts can relate to. You know, you said um, it was what I thought needed to happen. You know what I mean? Because the kid's yeah. getting taken. And and how many times I wanted to stop but couldn't, and and but mm-hmm. wanted to so bad and needed something to happen. So I really could identify with that. Um, but let's take a real quick break here, and then we'll jump back in with, soon, right after. Yes, Friends of Recovery Podcast.com. We'll be right back. You're first. First to respond. First to put others' lives before your own. And in an emergency, you need a network that puts you first, that connects you to technology, to each other, and to other agencies. Built with and for first responders. FirstNet, the only congressionally authorized wireless network for first responders. Because putting you first is our job. Since 1992, Genesis House has been helping real people heal from addiction on their private recovery campus in beautiful Palm Beach County, Florida. Their family-owned program is accredited by the Joint Commission and offers detox and dual diagnosis treatment in a comfortable and confidential setting. At Genesis House, they focus on treating the underlying causes of addiction. Their comprehensive approach includes psychiatric care, individual and small group therapy, trauma healing techniques, and holistic care including yoga, massage, and animal-assisted therapy. After treatment, their clients enjoy the lifelong support of a nationwide network of Genesis House alumni. Call Genesis House today at 1-800-737-0933 to speak with someone who understands. Visit them on the web at www.genesishouse.net. It's time to start your journey to a long and successful recovery. Okay, so um, I continued throughout my weight loss journey. And I remember when I graduated treatment, um, my oldest son got me a gym membership. You know, because in the beginning, all I could do was walk at the park. 
And it took me an hour to walk two miles. And I remember. Um, but you were doing it. You were walking. Yeah. I was doing it. Yes, sir. Every right. day. Right. Every day. Right. Um, and I remember right before I graduated treatment, um, we in the town I live in, we have um, run for recovery 5K every year. And that particular year, I entered the 5K, and I was the last person across the finish line. But I crossed that finish line. You did it, that's right? I love <laughs> and I did it in under an hour. <laughs> oh, honey, I love. Oh, that's awesome. Unreal. Yeah. And I mean, I just you know, I continue to push myself out of my comfort zone. There's no growth in your comfort zone. There's no comfort in your growth zone. You know, and treatment well, like taught me that if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. Mm. And so. Um, I entered, I got a gym membership and I started, I would go in the mornings and walk two miles on the treadmill. And then I would go to the park and walk two miles at the park in the afternoons. And, um, I remember doing a Snapchat and sending out to my friends the first day I'd walked four miles in one day, y'all. I was just like, so beside myself. I couldn't believe it. So, um, so I continued, you know, and, and there's days that it's tough, you know, like this morning yeah. I got up and I went to the gym and it took everything I had, you know, um, <clears throat> So it's a recovery is one day at a time. Right, certainly is. That, mm -hmm. That's exactly what it is. You Sometimes know? it's and one hour the, at a time. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Some days it's one right. minute at a right. time. You know, some days absolutely. I lay in bed at night and I'm like, how did, yeah. how did I even make it through the day? Right. You know? I know. I know. <laughs> um, right. So today I've lost 249 pounds. Wow. What the heck? Wow. How that does it amazing. feel? I mean, it feels I've amazing. It feels amazing. Because... I was told I'm, I'm growing up that I could that I wouldn't be able to do it, you know. Right. And so Skyler and I were talking. Excuse me, Skyler and I were talking before the show, before we started mm -hmm. the podcast, and she's she's lost considerable weight. I've lost forty pounds. That's considerable weight, um, but I can't imagine. I mean, that's just wow. What a what a wow. that's a that's whole a person. Yeah, yeah. two yeah. sometimes yeah. two people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, I started out in a size 28 pants and now I'm down to a size four. Nice. Without exactly. surgery too, you know, like that's Without surgery, right. not a well, single diet peel, not a single fat burner. Wow. So what did the, the doctor, the bariatric doctor that they wanted you to go for six months? What did they say when after six months well, came they, about and they're you know, like, nah, you don't qualify. Well, <laughs> I, I went through all, I jumped through all the hoops, you know, just in case, cause I didn't know what the future held. So I went ahead and went and seen the psychologist and, um, you know, did their support group meeting or whatever. Well, then I didn't keep my six month appointment. I knew I didn't qualify for surgery anymore. So they called and by this time, by the time they had called me, I'd lost 121 pounds and wow. she called and she was like, well, um, I see that you've completed everything. I just want to get your surgery scheduled. And I said, um, I don't know that we're going to do that. And she's, and here's my thing. This is, this was the, and I forgot to tell you this. This was the reason why I decided to give it a shot eating healthy and exercising every person that I know of that has had that weight loss surgery for some people it's good I'm not I'm not knocking it at all but for me every person that I've come in contact with that's had the surgery lost the weight too fast right. mm -hmm. and they look very sick right. I was sick for 23 years all of my life I was mentally and emotionally mm. sick I didn't want to look physically right. sick right and so gave me goosebumps. So yeah, I was just like, I just don't want to look sick. So that, that was my determining factor for giving it every, wow. you know, if I'd have given it everything I had and it didn't work, right. then, then of course I'd have went through with the surgery, but right. I wouldn't have never known until I tried, you know? Mm -hmm. And at this point in my life, I was more 
afraid of not trying than I was afraid of trying and failing. Mm. And so when they called me, they were like, we need to get your surgery scheduled. And I said, um, I don't know that I qualify anymore. And she was like, what do you mean? And I said, I've lost 121 pounds. And she said, no, you haven't. And I said, yeah, you have. So don't tell me. She didn't believe me. She called my doctor and got the last progress notes for my appointment. And she called me back and she said, ma'am, you don't qualify for surgery anymore. You've lost 121 pounds. I said, I just told you that. That's the best. Wow. Oh, so I just, I kept going from there and, um, you know, um, now I'm to the point where, you know, and here was another reason I didn't want to have surgery. I still have young kids at home who have birthday parties and they have birthday cake and ice cream. If right. you have that surgery, you can eat that cake. You're going to get sick. Right. You know, if my kids have a birthday party and they want your, their mom to have a piece of cake with them, I want to be able to have a piece of cake. Absolutely. With them. absolutely. You know, if that means running an extra mile on the treadmill the next morning, mm -hmm. then so be it, you know? Yes. So, um, and you know, the number one thing that I've learned over the past five years, recovery is a journey, not a destination, Right. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's the same with weight loss. Weight loss is a journey, not a destination. You know what, Amanda, I just want to say that you have a lot of, uh, great sayings, um, I'm recovering. I've been sober a long time. Uh, Skylar's recovering. Ed's recovering. You know, this is what we do the show for. Right. Um, you know, you have a nice, um, you have a nice way about you. Obviously, I, I love your southern accent, but you have <laughs> some, you have some really good um, sayings that that just mean so much. You know, we we learn things in you know the program. You know, uh, one day at a time. You know, easy does it. You know, meeting yeah. makers make it, and all these things. But you know, I can tell just by the way you're speaking that you really you subscribe to these. You know, and but do me a favor, tell me a little bit about your job because I can only imagine the people you take care of. They must love you. They must be just like he probably pushes them. Um, yeah, yeah, well, makes them push just, themselves. Well, I just I I, I loved him. I bet. You know? um, I remember when I first started with the company, I started taking her this little lady, rest her soul now, but um, her, her name was Mary. And to me, she was, to me and my kids, she was granny. Right. And I took care oh. of her five, four hours a day, five days a week for two years. Right. And, you know, with the company, we're only, the com the patients are only allowed one errand day a week. We can only turn in mileage one, one day. Well, she got dementia and she was real bad. And in order for her to remember where she was, I would have to go and pick her up take her to town, drive around the square, come back to her, stop and get breakfast and come back to her house. Right. And then she would remember where she was and she would Reset. be fine. Like we said, right. Yeah. right, right. So, but I did that every day for the last probably six months of her life, you know, because that's, that's what the patient needed. Right. It wasn't about what I got paid for or, mm. or what the company approved of or what her care plan said. It's about right. what she needed. You know, and so when I go into a home, I go into a home and I stay, you know, because I have attention deficit disorder. I don't do well with change right. at all. You know, mm -hmm. um, first of all, that I, I don't do well with change. And it's hard to go into a home one day and this person likes it this way. Then you go to a totally different home the next day. You know, um, I have one patient now, Mr. Jim, he's in the hospital. Um, I've been taking care of him for four years. and um, he, he, they become our family. You know, all of my patients have met my children. Right. Um, you know, you know, I mean, because a lot of my patients, probably half of my patients, I'm all they have. 
Mm, you know, I mean, I have one patient. He is also in recovery. He's a recovering alcoholic. And he used to own a dental lab here in town. And I worked for him. And I actually quit working for him because he was so bad off. (laughs) (laughs) And I couldn't stand to be around him. So when they sent me out to his home, I was like, I know this guy. Right. That name, you know. Well, then I put two and two together and it was him. But he burned all those bridges when he was in addiction. Right. You know, I mean, he burned so many bridges that his power of attorney is his ex-wife. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So he doesn't have anybody, you know, and I mean, my kids look at him like they're he's their grandfather. He must love you. And he must love you. I just I love my job. I, I love my job. You know, Amanda, what you said was it was what you did it because it's what she needed. And then it made me think about we talked on the phone before we did the podcast and you were saying you needed to love yourself. And like, that's what you needed. Mm -hmm. And like to know that and that awareness you have, you know, like like Mike says, the sayings and and the different cliches and stuff you have. It makes a lot of sense. You could tell you live by them, like you said, you know. Well, I really do. Um, Yeah. and, And I have to because in order for nothing else in my life to come last my right. recovery has to come first. Right. You know, um, right. I mean, like right now, my daughter's in her room watching videos. She said, why do I have to watch videos? Because I have a podcast. Right. You know, I have something I have to do and it's not for anybody else but me. Right. You know, and if telling my story gives one more person hope, you know, it's not in vain mm. anyway because I'm where I'm at. But if it gives one person a glimmer of hope, right. then it was worth it. Well, you know what's cool is I, I I have a private practice. I'm a therapist and licensed alcohol drug counselor, so, social worker too. But I also work in a place up in New Hampshire called Crossroads up in Salem, New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And, and I love this job. I mean, when I tell you, um, you know, the, I love it. So I, mm-hmm. I run a group a couple of nights a week, got about two and a half hours. And um, I got between nine and 17 patients, uh, clients. Mm-hmm. They're all all walks of life, professional people, just great people, but I love it. And I, some of them watch my podcast, you know, and I'm dying mm-hmm. for them to see this podcast because nice. you, you just, you, you just give off this aura of somebody who's so deep into recovery and, and look, look at all you've accomplished. It's amazing. It's just it's wonderful. I love it. How about the, how about the booze? And well, and, and do you go to meetings? Do you, what do you do? Um, I sponsor three different people. Um, one of them is in the treatment program I was in. Right. Another one is in the felony version of that treatment program. Wow. Um, I do meetings online. I don't go to meetings and here's why. Right. Um, right. Because my kids lived a lot of life without me when I was running the streets. You. And right. then they also lived a lot of time without me when I was in treatment. Right. And being a single mom, I'm all my kids have, you know. Um, my grand, their grandparents are not active in their life at all. Um, so it's just me. And so, and I work 60 hours a week, so I just need to, I feel like I need to be home with my kids. You know, I did go to celebrate recovery every week. I mean, it was right. I can't hear you. I said, you're a great mom. You know, you can just tell just the way you're talking, you know, I didn't hear what you said, Mike. I said, you're a great mom. You can tell just by the way you're talking. Not getting me, Skyler. Can can you hear me? I am now. I am okay. now. Yeah. Okay. Oh, good. 
but yeah, he was saying you were a great mom because you can tell by the way you, you, you know, talk and carry yourself. And like you my, said, like she's in the other room watching the video because you got to take care of you. And like that's putting right. you, that's Both. putting them first in a yeah, way. And here's the thing. I don't you know. want her, you know, the, the latest addiction that I am, am in the process of overcoming is codependency. Right. You know, I have been codependent for 40 years, sure. you know, all for the first 30 years of my life or for the first 35, it was to please my mother. And so I would latch on to the first man that said he loved me, whether he showed me love or not, it didn't matter. If he said he loved me, oh, relationship time, you know? And so a year ago, after being in a two and a half year, massively abusive relationship um, with a lot of mental and emotional abuse, it was like being in a relationship with my mother. It was Mm. terrible. Um, when that relationship and, you know, sometimes God does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Yes. God knew that I needed to be away from that man. But he knew he also knew I was not strong enough to stay away from him. So. Right. Miraculously, he had a warrant for his arrest for probation <laughs> and he went to jail and he's been in jail for a year. And it wasn't until he went to jail and I was forced to live without him that I realized just how bad it was. And so when that relationship ended, I decided, okay, I told my higher power. I said, I've given you everything else in my world except this. And so for the first time in my life, for the past year, I have not sought a relationship at all. Good. I have not, you know, sought men out on the internet or looked for love, you know, because if I don't fix this, in order for, for me to have a healthy relationship, I have to be the healthiest version of me. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And that, and yeah, and doing that is trying to find out who you are and different stuff. And it's and almost a freeing feeling. I see my daughter go through that. Right. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Right. The role model yes. aspect. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, I, I had to do about, I did about two years um, without a relationship and I was highly suggested by my therapist, go to SLAA. And I'm like, I'm not no sex addict. I'm not going there. They're going to talk about some weird stuff, <laughs> but it turns. So I went to an all women's one because right. I was scared and, you know, it turns out a lot of them women are the same thing, codependent and, and addicted to love and being loved and wanting love. And it has nothing to do with yeah. sex at all. Right. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, you know, and that's no, no, thing. it's not. It's it's about you know. That's where I found my worth is whether I had somebody telling me that I was pretty and and they, they loved me and and you know mm-hmm. that that doesn't have anything to do with how how valuable I am at all. Exactly. 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 Nice. So true. I feel fortunate to uh, to have been part of this uh, podcast today. I just want to tell you, I've been doing this for a while, and uh, man, I rock. You rocked me today. You you you're an amazing woman. Thank you. Yeah, we yeah, want to thank you, you so thank much. Thank you so much on. for letting me share. Yeah, oh no, goodness. definitely. Thank um, you. And <laughs> is there um a way anybody can get a hold of you if they wanted to reach out to you, like a woman wanted to reach out to you or someone wanted to reach out with you questions about anything? Yeah, they can um th- maybe I email mean, the, or phone feel free. Yeah, my email is Amanda Black673. That's easy. At gmail.com. I'll put it in the show notes too. So that way, because yeah, I mean, you have I such mean, an amazing you know, story. We don't know which listener might need that help, you know, so that'd right. be a great right, way to get a hold right, of you. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, anyone who needs anything, just, you know, reach out and, right. um, you know, I'll do what I can to help because the only way we keep what we have is by giving it away. That's right. Awesome. Well, y'all, well, thank you so been a much. Great, great show. I mean, this <laughs> you <better> said y'all. <laughs> <laughs> See, but all we needed was, was a half hour with you, and then we got him saying, y'all. 
Right. Uh, Amanda Black, you are, you're amazing. And thank you so much for coming on this podcast. We always say Ed gets, the, Ed always gets the best, I guess. And he does. We'll just leave it up to him. I'm not even going to ever get another guest. Though. I'm just going to let him. <laughs> right. We'll just leave it to Ed's scheduling because he does. He finds people and you're always amazing. Right. You gave me goosebumps. <laughs> well, listen, Seriously. if y'all run across anybody that you think I can help, please pass my information along. Skylar, you have my phone number. Yes. Um, you know, if you if you feel the need to give my phone number to somebody because you feel like they need to talk, please do so. Awesome. And yeah. we have uh, virtual meetings. I'm going to send you the link for them. Maybe, and then we, nice. maybe once I get yes. on our online meetings, our friends in recovery, we have them at 12 and 7 every day. Well, actually, I'm the guest speaker next on the 6th. On the second. Okay. Oh, good. I'm gonna yes. be. I'll be listening to that. That's for sure. Oh, on a Saturday, right? It, for Ed. Yeah, next yes. Saturday. All right, perfect. All right, cool. I'm gonna put that in the yes. my calendar too. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. We really appreciate you coming. Thank you on. for having me. I really enjoyed it. And God bless you and your children. You're you're incredible, incredible person. Thank you. Thank you so, thank you so much. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you. It was nice All to right, meet bye-bye. you. Bye bye. Nice meeting you. Well, Sky. Other than uh, forgetting to <laughs> forgetting to uh, <clears throat> do our friends in recovery at the break, I, I, that was a great show. It was unbelievable. Great party. Yeah, and yeah. she was. Ed said that. Ed said she's going to talk from the beginning to end to the for you guys. And I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> what an amazing way. I can't imagine. Forty-nine pounds. That's amazing. Amazing, and and she she just has it. You can hear all these little cliches, like you said, and these little sayings. But that's. She's living it. She's walking the walk big time. Mm-hmm. Big exactly. Time. Yeah. So, well, you know, this has been a great, a great podcast. Um, I'll see you. Ne- <laughs> I'll see you next time. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> All right. Well, over and out. Yeah. Over and out. Um, Friends of recovery podcast. Um, great, great podcast. And uh, <laughs> I'm blown away. I really am. Yeah. Today was a good day.